Let's have some fun creating the future, shall we? Yeah, that's Steve Nama. He's the head salesman here in the jungle, but lately business has been shrinking. He's offering you a special deal. Two of his heads for just one of yours. In the way you slice it or dice it, you come out ahead. Ah, there you are. I'm Dr. Bones, your virtual instructor. The smaller aviators don't measure up to the height indicator on the seat. Just put the belt through the loop in the center strap before buckling. Hello and welcome once again to the WDW Radio Show, your Walt Disney World information station. I'm your host, Lou Mangiello, and this is show number 89 for the week of October 19th, 2008. I just returned from Walt Disney World, where I was covering a number of special events for the show. I was able to attend and bring you audio from the opening of the new Cast Member Wellness Center and speak with Walt Disney World President Meg Crofton and Worldwide Parks Operations President Al Weiss, as well as the 2009 Walt Disney World Ambassador Ceremony and meet the two new ambassadors. I also attended a sneak peek of the new T-Rex Cafe in downtown Disney, and I'm going to bring you a little something different from that event this week. I'll also have more news and a quick visit to the Walt Disney World Rumor Mill. I'll introduce a new segment this week called How to Be an Imagineer in response to the question I've received quite often over the past few years. Disney Imagineer Ed Romeo joins me to talk about his story and journey to become an Imagineer as well as what working at and for Imagineering was like. The interview will be the first of hopefully many that will help prove to you that the road to becoming an Imagineer might not necessarily be the path that you think. I'll have more quick updates at the end of the show, so sit back... Relax and enjoy this week's episode of the WDW Radio Show. Before I start this week's news segment, I'm going to apologize in advance for how I sound. I came back from Walt Disney World with some great memories, great stories, and unfortunately a great big cold. So please forgive me if I sound a little bit different than usual. But let's go ahead and get right into it because it was a big and exciting week in Walt Disney World with the crowning of two new ambassadors, the opening of a new restaurant, and a new wellness center for cast members. But first, here's some other Disney news that I wanted to share with you. We're going to start outside the parks with something that's not necessarily theme park related, but because, as if I needed another reason, I now have yet another cause to go to Las Vegas, and that's Research Trip. Because last month, Disney Theatrical Productions and Mandalay Bay announced the award-winning Broadway phenomenon The Lion King is going to be going to the Mandalay Bay Theater starting May 2nd, 2009. The production's going to join the six other production companies of The Lion King around the world, including New York, London, Paris, Tokyo, and other locations. Now, Mandalay Bay's production of The Lion King is going to be virtually identical to all the other companies that are seen around the world with the same music, sets, and incredible costumes that have made it a worldwide sensation. I highly recommend going to see it, whether it's New York, Tokyo, Paris, or Las Vegas. The show is exceptional. Ticket prices, on-sale dates, and performance schedules are going to be announced at a later date. I'll try and keep you updated as those are announced. Now, while I normally don't talk about attractions that are down for refurbishment, because sometimes the list can get lengthy, and I hate to just kind of read them on the show, I did want to mention that the Hall of Presidents is going to be down from November 1st through July 1st, 2009. Now, in addition to adding the next U.S. president, there's also going to be a major structural work done to the building as well. So if you haven't seen the show in a while, or if you've never seen it at all, and you're heading down sometime later on this month, I highly, highly suggest seeing this version before it goes away for good. Over at the Beach Club Resort's Cape May Cafe, the Goofy's Beach Blast Breakfast, one of my favorites, has changed its cast of characters. Chip and Dale have... Uh, retired onto greener pastures or gone on vacation and now Donald Duck is going to join Goofy 
and Minnie Mouse for the early morning beach party. Again, I think this is one of those great character breakfasts outside of the parks. Not always very, very crowded. A lot of fun. Kids get a lot of time with the characters over at Cape May Cafe. Speaking of food, that didn't take long. A few weeks ago, I sat down and interviewed Steve Schussler, who is the creator of the Rainforest Cafe and the Yak and Yeti, about his newest creation coming to Walt Disney World, and that's the T-Rex Cafe. Well, this past week, on October 14th, T-Rex had its official opening, and I was invited for a sneak peek before it opened to guests. The T-Rex Cafe is a prehistoric family adventure. It's a place to eat, shop, explore, and discover. Like I said, it opened on Tuesday, October 14th at Downtown Disney to long, long lines of eager and obviously hungry guests. And from what I saw and what I heard, of course, what I ate inside, they were not going to be disappointed. In fact, I think they'll be to use one of Steve's expressions, blown away by what they see inside T-Rex. They're going to be able to dine in a very interactive, prehistoric environment. It's built around the themes of water, fire, and ice. There's life-size animatronics. There's dinosaurs. There's geysers. There's a fossil dig site, ice cavern, a shop, a build-a-dino workshop in the back, and so, so much more. It's located right at the entrance to downtown Disney, and it's going to add not just additional seating capacity for guests who are looking to dine outside the parks, but a new dining experience that's not just for kids and not just for boys, but it's very interactive, it's very alive, and it really is almost an attraction. Here's just a brief clip of some of Steve Schussler's comments at the opening ceremony of the T-Rex Cafe. I'm so proud to be here today. Thank you very, very much. Walt, I know you're up there watching over us. I want to say I feel like the luckiest man in the world. I just won the trifecta, having created Rainforest Cafe, Yak and Yeti, and now T-Rex, a prehistoric family adventure, a place to eat, shop, explore, and discover. This wasn't a year of construction. It was 10 years of dreaming, planning, and creating. To be at Walt Disney World and be given the opportunity to create magic is a very special thing. Ladies and gentlemen, the T-Rex restaurant is now officially open. Thank you. Now, I will tell you that I really enjoyed what I saw and what I tasted at the restaurant. I definitely plan on going back, dining in the restaurant again for a full meal and doing a full review for the show. But this week, I I did something a little bit different. And having seen photos and spoken with Steve about the restaurant beforehand, I knew that simply taking live audio wouldn't do it justice. So in addition to the audio that I took, we went ahead and shot some video as well. And what I thought I would do is walk you through the restaurant and highlight some of what it has to offer. I also had a chance to talk to Steve Schussler at the opening just after the ribbon was cut, as well as the vice president of Downtown Disney. So what I want you to do is head on over to the WDW Radio Show homepage and the show notes at WDWRadio.com. Click on this week's show notes. There you're going to find a short And really, I promise, it's only about five minutes long. Video of me taking you through the restaurant, sampling some of the food, and well, you'll just have to see the rest. Just something I thought we'd have a little bit of fun with. I hope you guys enjoy it. Also this past week, while I was on my trip, the morning of October 15th began at Walt Disney World with hundreds of Walt Disney World cast members completing a wellness walk around Epcot just in time to officially open the Center for Living Well, which is a new state-of-the-art on-site health and wellness center that's going to provide cast members and their families a one-stop shop for primary medical care-related services. It also includes a pharmacy, a lab, radiology services, wellness and behavioral health resources. It's an amazing, amazing facility. Walt Disney World President Meg Crofton, who presided over the ceremony, said, quote, This is a special place that's going to inspire cast members to take a proactive approach to their health, provide resources that make it easier than ever for them to take advantage of the many health and wellness resources that Disney has to offer. It's great to see Disney reaching out, really doing something for the benefit of the cast members and their families. Now, the center is located right behind Epcot, which makes it very easy to get to, very accessible for cast members to go before or after their shift, as opposed to having to go off property somewhere. Most importantly, the level of personalized care is what they're going to really be focusing on. It's going to be facilitated by a multilingual staff of credentialed medical professionals, enhanced access to services. There's going to be extended hours, weekend availability, the latest in medical technology, special facility design features to enhance privacy, really state-of-the-art facilities 
for CAST and their families. But more importantly, in addition to reactive care, it's going to provide CAST members and their families preventative care benefits that are generally available at no cost to plan participants. So there's going to be screening and educational opportunities, health fairs, discounts on weight loss programs and gym memberships, all kinds of programs really designed to help members take better care of themselves and their family, take that first step. And like I said, I really love the fact that Disney is working towards working with and for the benefit of their cast members. And I had a chance to actually speak with Meg Crofton, who's the president of the Walt Disney World Resort, and Al Weiss, who was there. He's the president of worldwide operations for Walt Disney Parks and Resorts about the new center during my visit. I'm here with Meg Crofton, president of the Walt Disney World Resort. Today must be a very exciting day, not just for the Disney company, but for all of the cast members here at Walt Disney World. We are very excited. You can just feel it. All of our walkers here did the wellness walk this morning and came over to break the ribbon going into the facility. This represents another significant milestone for us in our journey to have our, help our cast members and their families focus on their health and wellness. And what really are the objectives of the Center for Living Well? Our objectives are first and foremost to provide um, that focus and inspiration to uh, our cast members and their families about preventive health care and a focus on wellness. This 15,000 square foot center is going to provide access to them through extended hours. It's going to have access to primary care physicians, to a lab, to on-site pharmacy, to basic radiology, to wellness resources. I mean, if, along with the community, we're focused on getting everyone to just take a, take a simple step. Get your blood pressure checked. So any cast member or their family can come by the center anytime and get their blood pressure checked. And like you said, the advantage is not access just in extended hours, but it's right here, right in the middle of Walt Disney World. That's, that's right, and we also um, hope to help the Central Florida community address the need for primary care by offering an on-site center to our cast and their families. And obviously with everything Disney does, it is you know the latest technology, the latest advances, really giving all the cast members and their families sort of a central location to go for all their health and wellness needs. That's right. Our, our, working with our partner, Take Care Health, uh, we've got the latest and greatest in technology, but what I'm personally really excited about, and as you tour the center, I hope you see it, is just the, uh, the inspirational quality of uh, coming into that center and having all kinds of resources, artwork, and everything else that inspires you to get on that wellness journey. Well, the facility is beautiful. Congratulations, and thank you very much. Thank you. I'm here with Al Weiss at the opening of the Center for Living Well. Al, this has got to be a very exciting day for you and the entire company. There's no question about it. This is a big day. When you think about having a facility available to cast members on your property, right convenient to where you work, with extended hours, great health care, it doesn't get much better than that. Great. And with a new facility like this, obviously you're using the latest technologies, the latest in things like HIPAA compliance to give cast members and their families a full experience. And it's not just for reactive measures. It's also really a, a proactive center as well. Absolutely. What we want to do is we want cast members to be able to have another tool in their arsenal to manage their health and wellness. And as a result of that, being able to see a doctor for an extended period of time, which we're making the appointments longer so they can do that, or being able to make sure that they get, you know, some of the screenings that can be done. They can do their lab work right here. They can get their pharmacy filled right here. It's a comprehensive center that will allow them an opportunity to manage their healthcare in a very proactive way. And this really is a further and much greater extension of Disney's already existing commitment to promoting health for their cast members because there's other facilities on site where gas can, can work out and try and sort of take those proactive measures. Yeah, in addition to those other facilities that we have for, for working out, we're actually doing training sessions. We just did a leadership conference where we brought in health professionals from around the world to, to teach about wellness and, and health. And so there are many, many tools available and resources available, online tools and so forth, that can allow a cast member to really manage and, and step up their activity with their health. And the wonderful thing, too, is it's not just for the cast members, but it's for their families as well. Yes, it's for all of us and their families, so I think that's something that's very unique. About how many cast members are going to be served by the facility? Right now, there are about 40,000 cast members that are eligible to, to use this facility and their families, and so all told, that could be about 75,000 people. So it's a pretty significant impact in Central Florida. And this is obviously a partnership with not just the Walt Disney Company, but outside healthcare professionals as well? Yes, we have, we're working with healthcare professionals that have been in this business for decades. This is what they do, and they focus on this, and it gives them an opportunity to be experts in this area. And they're bringing some very unique things to the table. We have multilingual doctors that are going to be able to 
deal with our cast members that have a, a language that is a primary language other than English. And so we're going to be able to provide some things that most facilities don't have around the country. So I can see already from the cast members that have been out here walking World Showcase this morning that they are very excited. I'm looking forward to touring the facility. Congratulations and thank you. Thank you. Let's let them make one small change. Thanks. Thank you very Appreciate much. It. Appreciate your time. The new 15,000-square-foot, $6 million Center for Wellness is going to open to cast members and their families later on this month. A couple of months ago, I interviewed T.C. Newman, who was one of the two 2008 Walt Disney World ambassadors for the show, and we learned about what the role of being a Walt Disney World ambassador is, what her life has been like since being awarded such an honor. Since then, I've gotten to know T.C. and her sister ambassador, Carrie McPherson, who's also been on the show as well. And this past Friday, two new cast members were selected to step into the time-honored ambassador role and represent the Walt Disney World Resort and the 62,000 cast members in a ceremony over at Disney's Hollywood Studios. And big congratulations go out to Vanessa Rosas and Clay Shoemaker, who were named as the 38th Walt Disney World Ambassador Team. They're going to serve their term from January 1st through December 31st, 2009. The 37-year-old tradition at Walt Disney World started really with Walt Disney himself because during the 10th anniversary of Disneyland, he was overwhelmed with requests for appearances. He needed some surrogates to kind of stand in his place. He selected the first ambassador in 1964. That tradition has continued ever since. Walt Disney World President Meg Crofton, who was obviously very busy this week, led the ceremony and said that being an ambassador is one of the greatest achievements a cast member can attain. During those past 37 years, those men and women have represented Disney cast members with purpose and grace and brought the magic of Walt Disney World to the world at large. Now, I was actually invited to attend the ceremony this past week, also had a chance to speak with the two new ambassadors one-on-one. -on -one. So here's the moment we've all been waiting for. Finalists, would you please stand? Cast members, former ambassadors, and honored guests. It is with great pleasure that I announce Walt Disney World Resort's 2009 Ambassador Team. Vanessa Rojas and Clay Schumacher! Hi, Vanessa. I'm Lou Mangello from the WDW Radio Show. First of all, congratulations. Thank you so much. It's a great opportunity. I'm super excited. I was going to say, what are you feeling right now? It must be so surreal. Very surreal. Can't believe I'm backstage with all of the interviews. Um, my heart is pounding so hard and just want to jump and, and hug everybody. <laughs> what was it like when you're standing up there and you, and you finally get to hear your name called? I said I'm not nervous anymore about who is it going to be, but I'm just trembling of the excitement. Not sure if I heard correctly, but I think it's my name. And so I just went up to the front as we had rehearsed. I'm like, where do I stand? So I'm, I'm just excited. I could imagine. And what was it about the ambassador position that made you that made you go out for the role? Well, first of all, it's just how much they give to the community, and I've always had a passion to helping others and also just celebrating with our cast members. It's such a great part of our company, and I've always enjoyed the time that I've been with them, and I'm excited to celebrate with them all year round. Well, it's all about celebrating. That's what next year is all about. What do you think the next year is going to bring for you? Um, a lot of excitement. Um, just talking to friends and, and cast members, a lot of work. And um, like TC and Carrie said, a lot of, of great times and a lot of emotional times too. Um, but I'm sure we'll, we'll enjoy every bit of it. I'm sure. And you're carrying on a very long tradition that started with Walt himself. How do you just feel representing the rest of the 62,000 cast members here? It's a lot of responsibility. I am eager to go out there and get to know all of them if I can um, and just keep sharing the legacy of our company. So I'm excited. Well, Vanessa, congratulations. Thank you so much. <laughs> Clay, I'm Lou Mangello from the WDW Radio. First of all, congratulations. Thank you very much. This has got to be such an exciting moment for you right now. It is. It's very exciting. Surreal. <laughs> I'm sure. What was it like you're standing up there and you finally get to hear your name called? Finally, well, I have been through the process three times, and I can tell you that each and every time it was a unique experience. You get feedback, encouragement all through the process, and it develops you. And I think that I'm prepared for this moment, and I'm excited about this moment because I feel that I, I'm set up with success through the entire program and by the cast. 
And what was your role in the cast before, and what kind of made you want to be the ambassador? Well, when I first came to the company, I was with the Disney stores, and then later I found myself at Walt Disney World on Main Street Operations doing parade audience control, having fun with the guests there. And my most current role was a member of the Magic Kingdom Dream Squad. It was truly an honor to be a part of that. And uh, I, I'm leaving a once-in-a-lifetime role to go to another once-in-a-lifetime role. Sure. And what do you think the next year is going to hold for you? Oh, well, I think Meg had summarized some of the great things happening, and I'm so honored to be a part of those. What Will You Celebrate is uh, going to be something that we're going to be doing all across property, inviting guests to come to us with their personal celebrations, graduations, anniversaries, birthdays, personal accomplishments. This is the perfect place for all of that. And in addition to that, we have great experiences coming our way. Disney Fairies, Tinkerbell and Friends are coming to Magic Kingdom. The American Idol experience is opening right here at Disney's Hollywood Studios. I'm excited to be a part of that. It's going to be a great year. You had a lot of fans out in the audience <laughs> screaming and cheering for you, waving you know, flags of your face on there. How does it feel knowing that you're not going to have to just represent them, but 62,000 other cast members for the next year? I have never met a cast member that I didn't like. I came up here from South Florida because I wanted to be a part of this cast member family. I have never been disappointed about that decision. It's been an amazing experience, and I'm proud to be a part of and represent the 62,000 cast members here at Walt Disney World. And again, you're, you're continuing on a very, very long tradition of wonderful ambassadors behind you, so I wish yes. you the very best of luck, and of course, congratulations. Thank you very much. I also had a chance to talk to Disney executive Eugene Campbell, who played a part in this selection process for this year's nominees. I'm with, once again, Eugene Campbell, Vice President of Community Affairs and Minority Business Development. Today is a very exciting day for a lot of people. It is indeed. We have just selected our 2009 ambassador team, Clay Shoemaker and Vanessa Rosas, and we could not be uh, more pleased and more excited for them as well as for our 60,000-plus cast members who they'll represent. Absolutely. They have a very big obligation on their shoulders, and it's an obligation that continues in a very, very long tradition. What's 2009 going to hold in store for them? Well, we've, as you know, we've got a number of uh, exciting new additions to our property, both in the form of attractions like the American Idol experience, as well as some new resorts. Uh, Disney Vacation Club has been very active in some of their developmental activities. So they will be integral parts of the introduction of those uh, particular resources and those properties. Um, they will also celebrate with us through all of our activities in the community, our Helping Kids program and all the other fantastic outreach programs that we do here within Central Florida, they will be in many cases um, the face of the company because that's their role um, in not only representing the heritage and tradition of the company, but representing the 60,000 cast members and speaking on their behalf. Absolutely. And, and again, it's a huge responsibility that's going to be thrust upon them. What are some of the things that you look for during the decision-making process? The process begins uh, several months uh, before now. Um, thousands of cast members express interest and uh, come to several rounds of uh, selections and interviews. And we make some very difficult decisions because they are all so very talented and such outstanding individuals. And somehow, some way, we get down to this uh, final round where six individuals this year came forward and we had some very tough decisions. I think one of the things, some of the things that really stand out in terms of um, what we look for are not only, you know, very strong product knowledge, but also just very warm, charismatic presence. An individual who, you know, represents and once again embodies that warmth and spirit of our cast members. Um, and we just could not be more pleased with uh, who's going to represent us in 2009. Absolutely. And you can see, you know, just from the selection ceremony, they have a lot of friends and a lot of fans. And it looks like they're going to do those cast members and the rest of the company very, very proud. There's no doubt in terms of the level of love and your, your audience can probably hear it in the background, the level of love that is uh, shared, you know, with, uh, you know, all of the finalists, quite honestly, is, is, is at such a high level. And, you know, that makes you feel very proud of yourself as well as proud to be the one chosen to represent such a fantastic uh, group of individuals who make up the cast members of the Walt Disney World Resort. Right. Well, today is, the, is just the start of what's going to be a very exciting year for them. So, Eugene, thanks very much. Thank you so much, Luke. Pleasure to see you again. To learn more about the ambassador position and the process, I ask you to please go and listen to show number 68. That was on May 25th, 2008, where I spoke to T.C. Newman at length. I'm sure you'll be hearing from Clay and Vanessa on the show again in the coming year. Just a couple of last little tidbits I discovered as I spent some time exploring this week. Groundbreaking is well underway for the new Four Seasons Resort in the northeast corner of property. 
The area has been cleared and many huge dirt movers and bulldozers and dump trucks and other heavy equipment machinery were sitting at the ready waiting to be used. Now, actual construction is expected to begin early next year and the hotel is set to be open by 2012. It's going to include the Four Seasons Hotel, fractional ownership vacation homes, custom single and multifamily vacation homes, and an 18-hole golf course. Not quite on the scale of the Four Seasons construction, but the McDonald's fry cart in Frontierland is closed, but it's going to be getting a major facelift, and like the cart over in Disney's Animal Kingdom, is also going to be getting an expanded menu when that reopens in January. Speaking of things reopening, half of Tinkerbell's treasures has reopened in Fantasyland, but sadly, without the chest of drawers where you used to be able to find Tink herself in the top drawer if you were able to wake up Tink in the morning or various times throughout the day, you could find a little glowing Tink in the top drawer. Well, unfortunately, that's gone. And when I asked why it was gone and if it was coming back, a cast member explained that Tink was temporarily away and that the chest was in fact gone, but that she was getting things ready over in Pixie Hollow in Fantasyland, where we could see her and her friends in just a matter of days. You have to just love the consistency in the storytelling, even over at Tinkerbell's treasures. Obviously, Tinkerbell couldn't be in the drawer if she's over in P Pixie Hollow. Let's move right over from the news, head on over to the Walt Disney World rumor mill. Let's just have some fun talking about a couple of the rumors that I've heard about recently. First, it appears as though FastPass distribution has been closed at show-based attractions as of October 1st, and that it may continue through next year, depending on a number of factors, obviously including crowd sizes. Now, I first noticed it over a couple of days over at Mickey's Philhar Magic and Stitch's Great Escape in the Magic Kingdom. And then I found the same over at the studios with Indiana Jones and also over at Voyage of the Little Mermaid. Now, when I asked a couple of cast members, they told me that all of the show-based attractions have had the Fast Pass machines covered at this time. Now, considering that the crowds when I went were relatively light, I thought nothing of it, but it's going to be interesting to see if this continues into next year. In addition to some of the other entertainment cuts that I've discussed on the show over the past few weeks, some characters, some entertainers, some performers uh, around the parks, it, there are rumors that character meals may be removed from the Crystal Palace. Now, that rumor's been swirling for a little while. It came up again this week when I was there. Obviously, the Crystal Palace is known as a buffet with character, and that's even stated on its ornate glass sign, so it's clearly one of the motivating reasons to dine there Hopefully, this is one of those rumors that is not going to come true, that characters there are not going to be the subject or the victims of any sort of budgetary cut. It's a very fun, a very popular, very interactive character meal that's always a guest favorite. Again, hopefully, this is just one of those rumors that is not going to come true. Now, I do have some big news, quote-unquote, in the rumor mill that I have heard from a number of reliable sources, and that is that Night Kingdom has, in fact been put on hold and shelved, at least temporarily, and there are no plans to continue with the add-on nighttime experience at this time. But remember, like everything in Imagineering, no good idea is ever dead, so who knows if it may come back in the future, but for now, it seems as though the discussion and debates over Night Kingdom can come to an end. And finally, speaking of long-standing rumors, it appears as though no final decision has been made about Space Mountain going down later on this year. While some of the issues obviously will probably include financial considerations, the fact that such a huge attraction in Walt Disney World could be down for almost an entire year based on some of the rumored changes that can come to it have obviously stalled the making of any formal announcements from Disney. Also, the size and the scope of that refurb are still being considered, but that's going to do it for the news and rumor mill this week. If you have any news that you want to discuss, any rumors that you want to share, you can email me at lou at wdwradio.com. And to discuss anything that I talked about in this segment or on the show, visit the WDW Radio Show forums over at disneyworldtrivia.com. Before moving on to the next segment, I want to make a quick note as I'm recording the show late Sunday night, and I want to thank so many of you that have just emailed me and let me know that the WDW Radio Show has made it as one of the finalists and has been nominated for a podcast award in the travel category over at podcastawards.com. 
I am sincerely humbled by this, and I want to thank each and every one of you who cast your nominations and made this possible. Obviously, I could not do the show without your support and for all the help of the guests that I had on this year, everybody that wrote and called in, my co-host for the day, all the people who helped me on the various segments, the people I interviewed, and most of all, to you. Thank you so much for listening. I'm really, really honored, as there are so many great shows out there, Disney and otherwise. According to the website, voting is going to start on October 23rd. That's this Thursday. It's going to end on November 6th at 11.59 p.m. I believe that you're going to be able to vote once per day, every day, until the voting period ends, and that you're going to have to verify your vote via email, so that after you vote, make sure you look for an email from podcastawards.com. Click on that link to make your vote count. Again, thank you all so, so much for listening and for your support this year, as well as any help you can provide during the voting process. I really, really appreciate it. Believe it or not, one of the questions I get asked most often via email or voicemail, or even when I meet people is, how do I become an Imagineer? And while the answer usually involves discussing what their interests or talents are, what they might want to do as an Imagineer, etc., one of the first things that comes to my mind is, why are you asking me? <laughs> I'm certainly not an Imagineer, and believe me, while I'm flattered that they think that I have the answer, there really isn't a single answer to that question, and that's a very good thing. And why? It's because there is no one response. There is no right thing to say or do or way to get your foot in the door. And there is no secret password to give you the keys to the executive washroom over at WDI. And like I said, that's a very good thing because Imagineering has so many areas and so many disciplines and does so many different things. There are probably more opportunities to be a part of it than you might imagine. And more importantly, the path to becoming an Imagineer is probably less restrictive than you might think. Every Imagineer has their own story, and in this new series of segments, I'm going to bring you some current and former Imagineers to the show to tell you their story, and to help maybe give you not only a little bit more about them and their work, but Imagineering itself, and how, if that's what you really want to do, how they did it, and how you might be able to as well. And my very first guest story is, I think, so appropriate for this first installment of, I guess we'll call it the How to Be an Imagineer segment. Because when I met him and I learned of his path, I was both surprised and fascinated, and I think you will be as well. So I'd like to welcome Ed Romeo to the show. And Ed, thanks so much for joining me. No problem, no problem, Lou. It's great to have you here. And like I said at the top of the segment, one of the reasons why I wanted you to come on was not only to talk about some of the great projects you worked on, not just in Walt Disney World, but really around the world, but because I was really intrigued by your story of how you got to Imagineering. And if you can, tell us a little bit about your background before you joined the Disney company. Sure. Um, uh, I went to college. I uh, did the normal thing after high school, just went to college. I, went, I worked at a grocery store. I was a box boy. And I became a, a cashier at the grocery store. And um, I kind of have an end to uh, Disney, which was uh, my mom, who was there for an Imagineer for 25 years. And let me tell you, I did everything in my power not to use that uh, in, in any way. I wanted to do it on my own. So one day I uh, decided to quit my grocery store job, and I went and applied at the Disney store in, Glendale, in the Glendale Galleria in California. And uh, it was around Christmas season. I was uh, 19 years old. And um, they said, sure, we'll hire you. And I, I remember filling out my application. It was for Christmas help only. And they basically told me, hey, if we have a position for you after, we'll keep you. If not, um, come back next Christmas. So I was like, oh, you know, I'll take the chance. And I was filling out the application and said, do I have anyone that works at... Disney, and I, and I tried so hard not to put, uh, well, my mom works at Disney, but I had to, and in my interview, I interviewed, and I got the job, obviously, and it was a crazy, it was right when the Disney store was just a fledgling, it was, you know, we only had, I think, about 30 stores when I started, and um, I worked 
I worked through the holiday season. I, you know, worked my butt off, and then I, uh, they offered me a job after the season, and I became a, a stock clerk, and I kind of took care of all the stock in the back room, and I kind of just worked really, really hard, and then from there I became a, an assistant store manager, and then we had an earthquake, the Northridge earthquake, um, and that destroyed the store that I was working in, which was in uh, Fashion Square in Sherman Oaks. And then I had an opportunity to work at corporate, and I really, really enjoyed it. I worked in the property management um, area. As a clerk, it was an entry-level position. And I just kind of worked really, really, really hard and just kept uh, moving along. And uh, one day I decided to leave the company. And uh, I became a, a police officer with the Los Angeles Police Department for about three months and then I decided you know that's not what I wanted to do and um, I finally had to use my contact at Disney which was my mom and I had her submit my resume to someone and I went through numerous interviews and I became uh, a project coordinator for Disney's Animal Kingdom and then that was back in 1990 I believe it was and um, worked my way through and and lo and behold I became an Imagineer and it was the greatest experience I ever had now I didn't even know about the police officer oh, sort yeah, of I didn't tell you that <laughs> I thought I did <laughs> yeah so I left Disney and then I came back to it well I mean, well, I mean the thing that really intrigued me was that you go from the Disney store almost sort of right to Imagineering now you said you went to college what was your degree in was it you know were you an engineer? Uh, I, Were you an artist? No, no. I just kind of, college was um, just a thing for me. You know, it was, uh, I wasn't trying to be anything. I just kind of tried to take the easiest subjects I could take. And uh, I, my major was history. But um, I studied a little bit of animation. And uh, I did my own animation. I was an artist, I guess you can say. But, um, man, I... When I saw the talent out there, I just knew I wasn't as good as I could be. Well, and uh, it's very hard, very competitive, and um, you you know, it, I just saw the masterpieces that some other pe- other people were doing. So I just kind of stayed with the history path, and uh, you know, I, I got into Disney right at the perfect time because the Disney decade began, and um, man, we had so many hits with. Little Mermaid, Aladdin, Beauty and the Beast. So it was a great opportunity. So, But I was a history major in college. And, and that just goes to really drive home the point that you don't have to have a background in drawing. You don't have to have a background in journalism or writing or engineering or whatever it is. You Correct. You come from such a diverse, you know, and then you talk about really working your way up. I mean, you didn't even start in the parks. You started over at the Disney store. Correct. I started with the Disney stores and... and um, that was my, my shoe-in. And, and i got to tell you, a lot of Imagineers, they start in so many different places. Um, some people worked at the parks. Um, one of the things that does uh, help a lot is if you do work at the parks, um, you, know, you get a little more exposure to what postings are out there um, within the company. Um, and I know the company publishes, they, they publish postings all the time, worldwide but sometimes it helps to to be there and you know seeing it and and say hey uh human resources um i want to apply for that job so um that's how i started and like i said uh, i left the company in in 95 uh for three months and then um the opportunity came up uh for animal kingdom now i jumped on it uh, understanding that working at Imagineering for a Disney fan or a, a Disney World fan is sort of like the holy grail of of, of <laughs> jobs. So it, just kind of share with us, if you can, what was like that first day like? And what was that first project that you got put on? Um, breathtaking. It was everything I wanted it to be and more. Um, Lou, you're absolutely right with what you say. Is um, Imagineering is a very, very special place. And... Um, Every pro- you know, the first project I worked on was Animal Kingdom. I helped uh, coordinate. I became a coordinator, project coordinator, which is kind of a backbone of, of a project. Is you know we're the glue that keeps the project moving. 
and uh, the engineers do what they do and the artists do what they do and we kind of just bring it all together and um, I helped on the production when people relocated to Florida I kind of sat back and did all the follow-up on on animated figure production um, architectural ornamentation production so you know we had teams on both coasts so I stayed on the west coast and um, kind of was the eyes and ears on the west coast for the the team down in Florida and um, God the f I think the first breathtaking moment I had was um, when we did countdown to extinction the dinosaurs uh, which is called dinosaur now uh, seeing those for the first time were just breathtaking you know uh, and I kind of sat back and said to myself God I made it I'm an imagineer right and then and obviously, it must have been a big learning experience for you as well. You didn't come in there with the knowledge. You sort of, I guess, learned on-the-job training. I did. I did. And um, I got to tell you, it's, I had a lot of great mentors. Um, but you kind of just have to be a go-getter. You have to think on your feet because every day is a different day. Um, every project is a different project. There's no... Um, there's not a magic book we go to and say, hey, we just, we just did this, let's do it again. I mean, every project has its own um, problems or scenarios that we have to, you know, fires that we have to put out as, as a team. And that's one of the greatest things is, uh, at Imagineering is you all work as a team. And um, everyone's there to help each other. No one, you know, is gonna, no one's going to let someone stumble. It's all we all have the same goal of getting the magic done and getting it out there for the guests to enjoy. So yes, it, there's no on-the-job training. I kind of just went in, and you got to prove yourself. I mean, no one's going to hand it to you. Trial by fire, almost. <laughs> Trial by fire. <laughs> Welcome and to the let, company. You're a project you, manager. It's a, it's, a, it's a magical fire, and, it, and it's a lot of fun. <laughs> Obviously, your work wasn't just restricted to Animal Kingdom. You worked on not just theme parks, but cruise lines, and you also worked other places around the world. Tell us some of the other highlights of some of the other projects you worked on. Sure. I worked on the Disney Magic. I was a project coordinator on that as well. Um, and that was a great experience because that's what Imagineering had to offer. Again, with the, the cruise ship, it was a new uh, business for everybody, and um I knew nothing about a cruise ship and how it was built, but when I uh, went over to help the install team and coordinate stuff over there, it was the most amazing thing I've ever seen. Um, I've worked on Tokyo Disney Seas. Uh, I was the architectural ornamentation coordinator um, stateside. And uh, again, I knew nothing about architectural ornamentation, but I, as you work on a project, you gain experience and you gain knowledge. You just take that knowledge to your next project. You may not be an expert on it, but that's why we have architects and designers. They help you understand what's going on. Um, one of the things I, I like to think um, is I don't, I'm not an engineer, I'm not an architect, and I'm not a designer. And I would tell my team that. I go, you guys have to explain it to me in the simplest form. Like I'm a second grader, and you're telling me how it, how it comes together. Engineers like to get technical sometimes, um, but if you sit and listen, a lot of our designers, they can te they've taught me so much over the years. It, it, it's pretty incredible. So the cruise line was a, a whole new experience. Um, to Tokyo Disney Sea is, again, another experience because I never had international experience, but I learned and had a team that helped support in my, uh, my learning process. Yeah, and that actually leads me kind of you know, let's start talking about becoming an Imagineer because, like we said, it, it's certainly a very coveted position. Like you, I'm sure everybody kind of comes from different areas, but it's not, Imagineering is not just for the, you know, most talented artists and the best sculptors. There's so, there's, from what I understand, you know, about 140 different disciplines. There's writers and animators and engineers, Correct. and you can be an architect, you could be an IT. You know, remember too, not only do they have to come up with the ideas for these things, but they have to build them as well and, and execute on them. Correct. You're, you're correct, Luke. We have, um, Imagineering has uh, 
you know, there's finance people, there's project management, which consists of project managers, construction managers, project coordinators, um, there's theme lighting people, there are graphics people, there are interior design folks, there's architects. I mean, there's so many different aspects um, of the company that, no, you don't have to be an artist. Um, I think one of the things that helps Imagineers is they have that spark. They have that, that Disney magic, I guess, is the word I'm looking for. Um, that, that cliche, I guess I could say, but I knew a lot of people that were not artists, but they were financiers. Um, they were very coordinated people that had no problem, you know, working in a team environment. Um, you know, we didn't have to be artists. You let the artists, the artists know who the artists are. Um, it, it's kind of fun being in the project management aspect of it, which I was in, to kind of sit back and see the creative people create. It, it was, that, I think, is probably the most amazing thing. But no, you don't need to be an artist. But I think that there probably has to be some inherent qualities that you need to possess in order to be an Imagineer or to maybe have the best shot at being an Imagineer. And I, I have to think that things like perseverance and the desire to learn and probably Absolutely. maybe a little bit of luck too, too helps play a part. No, you do. And, and I got to tell you, and, and this is my own personal thing that I have, is you've got to love it. You know, um, no project is easy. Um, every project is a challenge. But at the end when we open an attraction as Imagineers and we turn it over to the park and we step back and we see that first guest come in um, and then they come off and they just are smiling and laughing and then you hear them go, let's do it again. And boom, that's when you know. You forget about all the long meetings and the long days and all the craziness you, it took you to get there just for that. You see the smiles. You know that our guests appreciate everything that we do. And we got some pretty tough guests out there. Um, well, because of the level of expectation is so high. When Correct. We come there. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I got to tell you, one of the things, my crowning moment as, a, as an Imagineer was back in June of 1999. And... Um, I was the production coordinator on Tarzan's Treehouse at Disneyland. And um, uh, I remember it was June 23rd. It was early in the morning, and we're just putting the finishing touches on everything. And we opened June 24th. And it was crazy. Finally, everything got done. And at 8 o'clock, we opened the park, and Tarzan's Treehouse opened. And we had a grand event. And I was exhausted, and I, got, I watched everyone go on, and I smiled, going, oh, this is great, this is great. And I went home that day, and my wife was pregnant at the time, and she goes, honey, time to go. So the day Tarzan's Treehouse opened was the day my daughter was born. And I told my wife, you got to hold off on having the baby until we open this attraction. And she did. <laughs> and now that's my daughter's favorite favorite thing at Disneyland because she knows that she was a part of that somewhat and that was my crowning moment as an Imagineer um, and till this day when my daughter and I go to Disneyland we go to Tarzan's treehouse and she goes dad that's my treehouse right and I said that's your treehouse so we all have our special little things um, that make us Imagineers and that's my that was my crowning moment and I've done big e-ticket attractions and but the treehouse at Disneyland is my my uh, my golden jewel. Well, and when you use when you tell stories like that, and we talk about words like magic, you know, we understand what you're talking about. That, and you talked about you know, use the word special. And what do you think maybe it is about Imagineering that makes it such a special place? It's the dedication of your architects, your engineers, your financiers your coordinators, your project managers, the team. We all have a goal, and that is to give the best show to our guests. And that's what's the crowning jewel of Imagineering. Um, that's, my, that's my opinion. Um, it, it's, 
a group of dedicated people that are the best at what they do. And like you said before, Lou, you don't need to be the best artist or the best animator or the best designer or architect or whatever. It's, there's, there's, you got to have that magic. You got to have that desire. It, 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 it's, it's an incredible thing. It, it's a special thing. Very, very special thing. And, you know, in defining, we were talking about the qualities that somebody possessed. You know, Walt talked about, and Marty Sklar to this day talks about Walt's four C's, the curiosity, the courage, the confidence, and the constancy. And it seems that something else, no matter what area of imagineering you're in, you have to have that level of creativity, that ability to kind of think outside the box no matter where you are. You're absolutely correct, yes. But and like, that's, what makes it, that's what makes it special. Exactly. And like I said, the, the real, the important part of this discussion is, is not just obviously appreciating the work that you and the other Imagineers have done, but making people understand there is no right or wrong way to try and get into Imagineering. There's not one educational background, no degree that you have to have to work there. In fact, you, you might not even need a degree at all as long as you have a creative mind. And look at the number of people from the company that start off for example, just working in the parks. Names like Correct. Jason Sorrell and Tony Baxter was, you know, schlepping ice cream. And um, Kevin Rafferty was was a dishwasher at the Plaza Inn. Absolutely. And I was a cast member at the Disney store. So, you know, it, it, we all come from different walks of life. Some we started within, but we all have one thing in common, a love for what we do. And... Um, we love to entertain people and we enjoy people having pleasure off of what we do and it 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 it, it, it may sound corny but it, it's really a special thing and um one thing imagineering does for everybody and and we're gonna see we're gonna repeat it again is even if you're not the artist or the creative lead or anything you are made part of that team and everybody is recognized from top to bottom on the success and that's also what makes it a special place you don't not just one person stands out and the old cliche of there's no I in team so uh, that's true at Imagineering it is definitely a special place because at the end of a project everyone all stands back and has the same response of how wonderful it is now this project is opening and people are enjoying it so really maybe Ed coming kind of full circle and and wrapping things up I, I think it doesn't matter what your background is it doesn't matter what your degree is in if anything it's just that desire to to be the best at what you do and what you want to do and Correct. the ability to to work creatively with others and in other disciplines and and like you know, I hate to keep quoting Walt, but he says, you know, the Imagineers, they're dreamers and doers. And obviously you are a perfect example of that. I appreciate that. And, and, like I, and like you stated before, once you get in, you make what you want out of it. Um, yeah, the, the hard step is getting in, but that's, that's for anything. And, and for future Imagineers out there and people who want to be Imagineers, if it's your dream, you'll make it happen. Um, but sometimes you got to go through back doors or you have to take other routes, alternative routes to get to your dream. But if you really want it to happen, it, it, it will happen. Um, uh, it ha that's how it happened for me. Um, between uh, my mom and myself, we've had over almost 40 years of Imagineering experience. And... Um, it's a it, it's a very special thing. It's a very very special thing, and uh, and uh, if you want it, if anyone wants it, they can go out and get it. Just gotta find a way. There's no easy way to become an Imagineer because I get that question all the time: is how did you become an Imagineer? And I and I don't even know how to answer that question. I just did. <laughs> I had an opportunity and I was able to take take it. And. Um, I guess look at all those postings online because that's where um, a lot of people are found. Right. You know. Right. So I was going to say for, for for practical, for practical purposes, purposes. Uh, 
If you do want to kind of take that first step and see what's available, one of the best ways to find out what positions are available is you can go to DisneyCareers.com. Remember, too, Imagineering doesn't exist just in California, but Orlando as well. They're also going to start opening up professional internships. I'll put a link in the show notes to the Disney website, the careers website, where you can find out about professional internships in Imagineering. And two, you know, like we were talking about, some of the other people that came up the ranks, Actual experience with the company is helpful. Go work at Walt Disney World, whether it's the college program, a seasonal position, an internship, or just any kind of job that you can get in the parks. So many people started there, and that might be a great way to do it. And, uh, yeah. you know, you too can live the dream. And, and Ed Romeo, uh, you are definitely proof of that. And I really want to thank you for taking the time to come on, for sharing your stories, and obviously you know that millions of people every day still appreciate all the work and, and you and the other Imagineers have put into the parks for us. Well, thanks, Lou, for having me, and, and I appreciate that. And, um, again, we we don't we do it because we love it. And um, it's a special thing, and, and uh, we want everyone to enjoy it. And, again, I, getting my, my first Imagineering ID tag was one of, the, one of the special days of my life, and I will always cherish that, and, and uh, it's a good thing. It's a good thing. Excellent. Ed, thanks so much. Thanks, Will. That's going to do it for this week's show. Thank you again for taking the time to tune in and listen this week. Thanks also to Ed Romeo, as well as Steve Schussler, and all the folks over at Schussler Creative for their help. Thanks also to Meg Crofton and Al Weiss for taking time out of their very busy schedules to take a few minutes and chat with me. Thanks and congratulations to Clay Shoemaker and Vanessa Rosas, Walt Disney World's new ambassadors for 2009, ambassadors TC and Kerry, the 2008 ambassadors, as well as two of my favorite ambassadors ever, They paid me to say that, but it really is true. Michael and Lowell from 2007 and everybody who helped facilitate all those interviews this week. I also want to say thanks to everybody that I had the chance to meet down on this trip and everybody that followed along and played Where in the World Am I with me on this week via Twitter. It felt like no matter where I was, I had all of you along with me. I hope you had fun with it and some of those pictures kind of gave you a little sense of being there with me along the way. To continue following my updates on Twitter, simply visit twitter.com slash There, I'll post small updates about where I am, what I'm doing. Also, don't forget, come by and friend me up over on Facebook, where I also post updates, have a couple of groups, etc. You can find both of those links in this week's show notes. I am very happy to announce that Celebrations Magazine is off the presses, and if you subscribed, it is on its way to you right now. But don't worry, because if you have not subscribed, you can still get it over at celebrationspress.com. If you want to get the first issue, you can still purchase that one from the site as well. Tim Foster from Guides of the Magic and I have been working on this for some time now. We are very, very excited, very proud of the first issue Hope that you like it. And remember, we want you to be a part of the magazine as well. So we're looking for you to submit your photos for inclusion in the magazine. Or if you have a question or a comment, something you'd like to see covered, you want to write for the magazine, you want to send a letter to the editor, you can send an email to me over at lou at wdwradio.com. I'm going to try and keep the rest of the plugs and updates short because I'm suffering over here, but be sure and visit DisneyWorldTrivia.com. There you can order signed copies of my Walt Disney World trivia books, my audio guide CDs, the new 2009 Walt Disney World Page a Day trivia calendar. You can also get free preview uh, previews of the audio guides on the homepage of Disney World Trivia as well. Visit our show notes at WDWRadio.com for specials from sponsors like All-Star Vacation Homes, Owner's Locker, and Mouse Fan Travel, where don't forget you can also go and take advantage of the special November to December $59 room night offer. Visit Mouse Fan Travel for more information. Let's see what else. We have uh, lots of things planned for upcoming shows, but remember, I want you to be part of the show, so send me your emails, your questions, your comments, anything at all, to lou at WDWRadio.com. Or please call the voicemail anytime. Be on the air at 206-202-4WDW. That's 206-202-4939. Call from home, the car, the parks, work if they'll let you, or anywhere with comments, 
questions or just to say hi. And listen, if you have a show suggestion that you think you might be the perfect guest for, send me those as well. You never know. Maybe we'll do a segment together on the air. Quick reminder, if you can, please go out and vote for the show over at podcastawards.com. I was nominated by you guys in the travel category. Again, thank you so much for that. You can vote once per day starting Thursday, October 23rd. That's this Thursday and ends on November 6th. That's over at podcastawards.com. Finally, to comment on, to talk about the show with other listeners, visit the forums over at disneyworldtrivia.com. And as always, if you like the show, you know what I'm going to say. Please help spread the word. Let others know about it. Review us in iTunes. Come over and say hi on Facebook. Follow me on Twitter. That's going to do it for this week. Thank you all once again for taking the time out of your busy day or days and listening to the show. I really hope you all have a great, fantastic week this week. So until next time, see ya. Hey, Lou, this is Tipnap uh, calling from Fairport, New York. I just heard your show about the top ten sounds, and I couldn't agree with you more with the wolf howl from the Honda Mansion and the monorail doors closing. I had a couple more. Um, one of them was the idling engines from the Tomorrowland Speedway that kind of gets me, lets me know I'm in the park. And the other one is the, the horns from the ferry boats across over the uh, Seven, Seas, Seven Seas Lagoon as they dock at the TTC and in the Magic Kingdom. That kind of sets the tone that lets me know I'm in the parks as well. Uh, have, have a great show, and uh, talk to you later. Bye. Hi, Lou. This is Laura uh, and my friend Angela here at Disneyland. And I'm a friend of Val and Steve's. We met at, uh, oh, I just forgot the name of the restaurant. We met at the Yak and Yeti in May. And I'm calling you from the front seat of the Mark 7 monorail. It still has that new monorail smell. And uh, we just thought you might like to get a call from the new monorail. How does it sound? Sounds pretty good in here. Talk to you soon, Lou. Or not. Bye. Bye.